0: Hello Zen Founder listeners, I'm Brooke Bergman Parr, one of the coaches and the relationship specialists here at Zen Founder. I'm so happy that you have joined in today's episode. In today's episode we're going to be talking about love and grief, how they impact each other, how they interact with one another, and how your ability to grieve well determines the course of your love. And also I'm gonna be offering some practical things to consider when one or both of you in the partnership is grieving. Sherry's book, Touching Two Worlds, is coming out into the big wide world on July 26th, 2022. And even if she wasn't my friend, I would tell every person I know that they need to read it. It's that important and it's truly that good. Like the wonderful therapist that she is, she lovingly guides readers through an emotional experience that they can then internalize in their own hearts. She shows up as fully human. She embraces the rainbow of her own emotional experience and gives the reader permission to embrace their own. And that's how we learn as humans. We learn from others in the context of relationship. And in this culture and in this time, we need grief teachers. And as someone who specializes in couples work, people regularly ask me for suggestions on literature for relationships. I'm gonna say this is one of those really important books for love because it teaches people how to embrace their grief as their love. It teaches people how to move through their grief in a way that enhances our relationships and enhances our lives. It's a pretty essential relationship skill, if not the essential relationship skill. In December, Sherry and I will be hosting a small group of couples for a retreat on the island of Kauai, the most wild of the Hawaiian islands. It's going to be a time to both prioritize your love to be present to all that love has to offer. We will both be there guiding conversations, teaching movement, and supporting couples to both settle in their love and also explore the possibilities of their love. It's going to be pretty epically gorgeous, restorative, and also mindfully sensual. I hope that you will consider joining us. If you are interested, please email me or Sherry at ZenFounder.com. That's Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y at ZenFounder.com or Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E at ZenFounder.com. We really look forward to hearing from you. Please let us know if you have any other questions about this upcoming retreat opportunity.
1: I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So on today's podcast, focusing
0: on the issue of relationships and love, I wanted to take a moment, take take an episode to talk about how grief affects love. It has been my both my personal and professional experience that grief profoundly affects us. Our ability to cope with grief, the griefs that we haven't grieved, the ambiguous griefs, the griefs that were not honored, the losses that maybe are even hard to define really affect our ability to relate to other human beings. In fact, it can be so profound that it can actually create divisions and separations in our love. Grief and the ability to process it is an essential relationship skill. In fact, I'm going to argue that it is the most important relationship skill. And this is because grief is a universal experience at some point or another in our lives we have either lost somebody to death or we are going to lose someone else to death or we're going to be facing the possibility of our own death and I understand this is not a topic that um, most folks like to talk about I think that our culture has really done a job of uh, sanitizing the reality of death. There's something that Sherry talks a lot of or she mentions it a number of times throughout her book and that is that you know she wishes that there could uh, there could be a mourning band for those who are in grief. And I really love that idea. I remember when I was in graduate school and I did a whole a whole class on grief. And I remember learning about all the different ways in which different cultures honor grief, grief and loss, including including our own in days past. And one of the ones that, you know, we used to do was that the people who had lost somebody traditionally would wear black, all black, for up to a year, maybe more. And this was to signify to the community that they were in mourning and that there was a special time dedicated to stillness and rest and and feeling the loss and processing the loss and then figuring out how to how to move on and how to create a new life after the loss but it's not uncommon as you know especially here in uh north america to get you know maybe a few days off after a major loss and then we're asked to return back to work and for those of us who are self-employed and or entrepreneurs, well, you know, the work doesn't really stop. And so let me go back to why this is essential to our relationships. Why do I say that this is probably the most essential skill? Well, number one, it's universal. And so it is an experience that we're all going to have. Either we've already had it or we're going to have it again. And if you are not grieving the loss or, and or you have not grieved it well, it does get stuck in the body and in the mind and it affects your ability to relate to other human beings. And the ability to feel sadness and tenderness and to really honor these losses is really one of the foundational blocks of deep intimacy with another human being, and especially in our closest love relationships. In fact, one of the biggest complaints that I hear in, with couples is this feeling or this idea that, quote, my partner just isn't able to attend to my sadness or attend to my anger or confusion or any of the more kind of negative emotions. In fact, I would say it's such a big complaint that it, it lands a lot of folks in couples counseling or, or just in general dissatisfaction. And it really is this ability to attend to your partner's losses and or their feelings that can really determine the course of a relationship a lot of couples will describe feeling betrayed when their partner doesn't hold enough space for their grief now what do i mean by holding space for grief so sherry by the way if you i know i already said this in the intro but if you haven't picked it up i would really encourage you to to read it, especially if you are in a partnership, because it's going to give you a lot of really concrete ideas and ways that you can both process your own grief, but also support the processing of grief in your partner. So for example, if your partner is experiencing any kind of a loss, I just really recommend a lot of, a lot of different things. One is attend to their practical needs. Make sure that they are eating well, drinking, showering, and also exercising. I think this is a really big one that a lot of people maybe forget about, but exercise is one of the most magical things that we can do for our bodies uh, because it helps us not stay stuck. And if there's one thing that grief can do is it can really send us into a space where we are stuck. I remember after my divorce back in 2015, one of the things that that really got me out of or just helped me process the grief of both the loss of my marriage, but also in my case, the loss of my faith community, which in some ways was actually the bigger loss for me. And the thing that really saved me was I joined a dance studio. (laughs) I joined a dance studio and I started dancing in the studio maybe twice a week, but then it gave me this beautiful dance practice that I was able to do every night. If you are partnered and you are with somebody, I would encourage you to create some space for your partner to find a movement practice, find time outside. And all of this really encourages mindfulness. And mindfulness is that ability to be present in the moment and in the body. Now this body piece is particularly important for grief because grief is a bodily experience grief is something that we feel in our chest and our heads and our tummies. Sometimes it can just feel like a like a heaviness, like an ache, like a spinning feeling. Everybody describes it sort of differently. But different movement practices help ground us in this. I would even encourage couples to do movement practice together. I really encourage couples to do in any kind of exercise together. Yoga is especially good, especially because you can do the same poses. And in this way, you're building this mirror neuron network and attuning to each other's bodies and being present. And that, I think, is the the biggest thing that people struggle with is they don't know how to just be present when someone around them is grieving they don't know how to just let it be there's this urge this codependent urge that we all have to fix things and in the process we say all sorts of unhelpful things (laughs) but then we also anxiously move around or we sort of anxiously uh, try to rush people through the grieving process and and this really does a lot of damage to the your relationship and your connection now going back to my earlier point of grief is the relationship essential skill i'm also going to talk a little bit about so we've meant i've mentioned you know if there's an actual physical loss the death of somebody close to you or your partner that there are going to be some things that you can do as a partner to support your loved one. But another piece that I think is really important to talk about is that being able to grieve well is going to also give you the ability to move through old wounds from childhood Now, if you've been listening to me for any length of time um, or one of my clients, you'll hear me talk about, you know, our childhood wounds coming out in our intimate relationships. And so what that means is that we often fantasize about our partner maybe meeting some need that we didn't get met as children and so we often fantasize about them doing this and then of course when they are unable to do this because this is a need from childhood we get angry or resentful or or anxious or all all manner of um, negative emotions that can really begin to poison a couple's connection but if you have learned to grieve well and you notice Say, for example, that there's some irritation or frustration with your partner about something. And maybe it's legitimate. I'm not going to say that your partner isn't legitimately doing something, you know, annoying or whatever it is. Uh, But oftentimes I find that sometimes that extra dose of pain surrounding that thing that you are hurt that your partner is doing is because it's poking at an old wound that is maybe that is maybe not resolved and so if you can go back in time with the help maybe you don't need a therapist or a coach or somebody to kind of walk you through this process but if you can go back in time and walk through that event and process the loss that occurred whenever it did. Uh, For example, I can think of for myself, one of my big losses that I sort of have to always go back to (laughs) and attend to is uh, when I was nine years old, my father lost a business. And so we had to move from this wonderful country house that I just loved. It was out in the fields and there was all this wide open space and we had to move quote into town (laughs) and there was a lot of stress around that time and I took on a lot of my parents financial stress you know and I, I maybe grew up a little bit too quickly at that age and and so I can go back in time and grieve and support be present to myself in that loss and then not carry that loss forward in terms of maybe being upset at my husband for me taking on all this responsibility. Well, that's my parentified child inside taking on too much responsibility, who's dealing with her grief in maybe a not so healthy way. And so you see, but then if I can attend to that grief and support myself in that process, then I can move through it and all of a sudden I'm not angry with my husband anymore. And all of a sudden he is the sweet loving man (laughs) that I know him to be. And so this is truly, again, an essential relationship skill. Not only being able to grieve the losses from the past, but also just being able to move through life with your feelings on. I mean this this to me is such a big issue is that we let grief shut us down and make us numb so that we don't feel because we're so afraid to feel the sadness. Sherry talked a lot in the book about this fear that a lot of people have that if they feel the grief that they will stay there and that is simply not true. That is not how a healthy grieving process works, that if you, I mean, I once, my first therapist, one of the first lessons she taught me in my, um, I call it my spiritual awakening, is that she told me the only way out is through, and so I, at the time, was grieving, you know, my own, childhood there were some issues from my own childhood that I was that I was grieving and I needed the compassionate presence of my therapist to help me do that now some of you may have a therapist or a coach that can be a compassionate presence for you but I would also argue that our spouse our partner can be this compassionate presence. And we can be that for our partner if we train ourselves to be. And so practically what I would say is that when you're with your partner and they are grieving, whether it is the loss of a job, whether it's the loss of a pet, or the loss of a parent or a sibling or some or just a friend. The best thing you can do is to sit down and be quiet. (laughs) Be quiet and to hold an open-hearted space. Now this is very challenging for a lot of people because it brings up maybe our own feelings of sadness and because we are empathetic creatures we are feeling the sadness with our person and so we're feeling it right along with them and so this is then where good emotional regulation skills come in of okay so I can sit and be compassionate and have presence with my partner as they are experiencing this grief But then, you know, we don't have to stay there. We can stand up after we've had a good cry, after it seems like people have, you know, maybe moved through that moment of sadness. And then we get some ice cream or we go for a walk. In fact, I think going for a walk after a good cry with your partner is truly one of the greatest gifts. And honestly, if you can be compassionately present to your partner while they grieve it is such a gift that maybe they can't recognize in the moment because they are grieving but you're building such a foundation of trust by doing that so going back to a a little bit of the cultural issue that i stated so we definitely have a cultural problem with grief and with feelings I've worked with addictions off and on throughout my career. And I would say that addiction is just the desire to try to numb away or make feelings go away. And it it really never serves anybody. But this is really where our culture is. You know, our culture is sort of a culture of addiction. I mean, everything everybody celebrates with drinking. Well, drinking is a huge one. I mean, rates of alcoholism have skyrocketed during the pandemic. With drinking, with uh, shopping, with gaming, you know, all these, all these different things that are highly addictive and really prevent us from feeling the depth of our feelings. And so our ability to both honor our grief and feel it is what, is what makes us human. And the extent to which you can honor your grief and feel your feelings is also the degree to which you can really allow yourself to love. And this is the operative piece that I think is really, really important. If you don't hear anything else about what I've said today, know this, that the extent to which you can allow yourself to grieve what any loss is the extent to which you feel love the two are nearly two sides of the same coin i remember when i was um dating my husband and it was those tender exciting times and i was pretty sure that i was falling in love with him which was really exciting but quite frankly it was also pretty terrifying because well number one i had been through a divorce and so i really did not want to do that again that was really terrible and so there was the possibility of loss there but then here here's the here's the truth that i really just decided to reckon with and to accept which was that i decided to not be afraid of falling in love because of the potential for loss I decided to not be afraid to fall in love because of the potential of loss. Because, right, the truth is, nobody gets out of here alive. And so whether I lose him from death, or I die first, or some other thing happens, you know, where, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to predict divorce. That's not weird. We're actually doing very well. But, like this idea that no there is this uncertainty and so there has to be this embrace of uncertainty and embrace of the fact that we never know how long we have with anybody and right all these inspirational movies will say things like you know you never know how long you have so how would you live your last day and I'm not saying that we have to go and And like, you know, do the thing that like, you know, we don't have to book that trip to Paris tomorrow because we might die the next day. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is living with the reality of loss actually can bring you into the present moment in a very real way. In a way that makes you open to love that makes you open to receiving going back to my dating days with my with my husband um I really remember this was this was like the thing that I just thought about probably every day because I was falling in love and I was feeling all the big feelings and I remember just thinking to myself it's worth it this man is worth it I love him and I'm I don't want to not allow this joy in. I don't want to not allow this love in because I'm afraid of the potential for loss. But how often do we do this in our relationships? We take our partner for granted. We don't, you know, look at them like they're made of stardust. We we get lost in the day-to-day and we are not present to the current moment and so grief the essential relationship skill (laughs) because it opens our hearts to love if we can grieve well and be tender to ourselves then we can be tender to our partners and also to the very real reality that we're not guaranteed time with our loved ones and if we really lived with that truth close to our hearts and were able to tolerate that how might you change the way you spoke to your partner how might you change even the stories that you tell about your partner right? That's a big piece that I work with on couples is what are the stories that you tell about your partner that maybe aren't serving you or your partnership? And what stories can you tell moving forward? So lovers, embrace all the feelings. Embrace the rainbow of feelings because this is what will teach you to love,
1: Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast.